selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Our guest on this latest episode of my screen music podcast, Soundtracking, is an actor known for his roles in Shallow Grave, Trainspotting, Velvet Goldmine, Little Voice, Brassed Off, Star Wars, and, well, the list goes on and on and on. Ewan McGregor's latest project sees him reunited with his good friend Charlie Berman for Long Way Up, available now on Apple TV. Long Way Up sees the pair motorcycle all the way, well, attempt to, from the bottom of Latin America to Los Angeles on electric Harley Davidsons. It really is a wild and hilarious adventure, and I am, got to say, absolutely loving watching it. The show features some brilliant tunes too, from familiar rock and pop to songs specific to the countries through which Ewan and Charlie travel. And it's with one such song that we begin. And I apologise now for my pronunciation. Bicicleta by Kamaku y El Tigre.
You look so well. You've survived it. We made it through another one. I know, I know, we did. Oh. It's a bit of a spoiler, isn't it, doing the interview? Oh. But you kind of know that we didn't die. <laughs> I um, I got totally addicted watching it today. I got through four episodes before I had to go and feed small children before because they were oh, so brilliant. Good. It's so good. It's like oh, a good. real life drama. Yeah, I tell you what, we're so lucky to have Claudio with us. Um. Because he just, he sort of elevates it. Every time we've done it, uh, he's our cameraman that rides with us, you know. Mm. And um, this time he had his little drone. And, and so we've got this different perspective on on the show and that we see things from the air, which we never had before. And so when we're riding through a desert, you get to see the vastness of the world around the, these two little, tiny little bikes. But it, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great to be back with Charlie because Charlie, as you know, had a terrible accident in, in 2016. <laughs> And it sort of, it, we'd sort of drifted apart a little bit, Charlie and I, I guess, because I'd moved to the States and he was in London and then he was very, very busy with different um, trips that he makes and uh, mm. did different TV shows that he was doing. So I just kept missing him. And then, uh, uh, and then, and then we sort of like friendships can, it just sort of got a bit quiet. And then I got this phone call that he'd come off in Portugal and had really smashed himself oh, up shit. and, it, and it, it was for a little while none of us knew quite what was the outcome was going to be and it was a bit of a wake-up call for me to not not let that friendship drift you know but, mm. to, but to 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 make sure that the the people that you love that you you know you make sure that you're there for one another and so it was great and also because he'd smashed himself up he was at home for two years he couldn't really get anywhere so he was always there when i was in london i was able to go and stay with him <laughs> and hang out with him and we just, you know, we just started talking about another trip and then off we went. We couldn't help ourselves. I've been dreaming of doing a trip through South America for years. We're here with Bill's famous actor, Ewan McGregor. But life got in the way. And now I've decided to do the trip with my best friend, Charlie Borman. You've got to look after the relationships in your life, though. And if you don't, you're just, you're losing something that's very important. We'll ride 13,000 miles from the southern tip of Argentina all the way to Los Angeles. 150 miles every day is the long way to go. And if that wasn't enough of a challenge, we wanted to see if we could do it on electric motorcycles. <laughs> I think it's the future electric. You'd be the first people to go this distance, charging as you go. Oh, my God, it's so great, isn't it? Nope. Uh-oh. Mm, the power's just gone. But this time you're on what I've referred to as Tron bikes, which, like, <laughs> the noise of them is... I'm just waiting for you to pull one of those discs off your back to, like... <laughs> <laughs> we should have gone in full Tron suits. <laughs> Lighting up. Um, which is, in itself, is an amazing kind of dramatic part to the whole sort of show. But I love the kind of... You just... The, the kind of comedy, that come, the natural sort of warmth that you have for each other, even when before you kind of set off and you're joking about the weather and all that kind of stuff and, you know, and your dad messaging you going, have you not even checked before, you know, this I kind know. of stuff. But it's, but it's, that's what's so lovely. You feel like you're on this journey with you right from the start. And, oh, good. Yeah, and I couldn't believe how much you start the work on the show before you actually get on a bike. It's like, yeah. was it months in advance of, like, the preparation that goes into it as well? Yeah. I mean, we were lucky because what the whole... 
The whole electric thing was our producer Russ Malkin's fault, really, because he said he suggested floated it out there one day. Maybe we could go electric because Russ is into record breaking and doing things for the first time, and he loves that aspect of things. Whereas that doesn't really matter to me or Charlie so much, but but the but the adventure of it, the experience mm. of it. But once he'd floated it out there, we started thinking about it, and there's this definite wave, new wave of electric powered everything's from from skateboards to single wheels things to everyone's flying around on electric something. <laughs> yeah. And um, we just thought that motorcycles, that's the way it's going to go, I think. And it would be fun to try it. I mean, yeah. so, th so, so that well, as soon as we made that decision, then we have to decide which electric bike and Harley Davidson just had made this, had just released pictures of this amazing bike, the Livewire. And nobody would have, we just like the idea also of nobody would believe that we were doing a, this, yeah. this adventure on a Harley, you know, it sort of appealed to our sense of humor. I think. <laughs> yeah. but, um, they really are cutting edge and they've, they've got all these drawings and designs for lots of other electric stuff, bicycles and scooters and stuff that are not at all, Har you know, the old Harley that we think of. Yeah. And they're just a great company to work with. But then we have to try and get them to make this live wire into an adventure bike, which they did. Then we have to get it down to Ushuaia because we had to do the trip starting there so that we could call it Long Way Up because we'd already <laughs> yeah. done Long Way Down. That's the only reason. Which is so, so stupid, but it's the only reason. Like, logistically, getting everything down there was such a nightmare, but we got everything there, and then we arrived, then the bikes arrived, and then we were like, okay, now how do we... To be charged snowed, snowed in for like four days, like a bike trip. Talk about planning. We were like, oh, <laughs> okay. It's the conversation <laughs> about the churros outside the sweet shops just amazing. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, want, I, I, I wanted to, I found a picture that I wanted to show you. Now, I don't know if you can see that or not. I can. That's yeah. me in the salt flats in Bolivia. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. They're great, aren't they? Did you stay in that oh. salt hotel, that funny salt yeah. hotel? Yeah, it was like it? goat covers sort of thing, like kind yeah. of, yeah, l like llama sheets. They had, <laughs> a llama, they had a live llama in the, in the foyer that I thought was sort of an animatronic one at first, and then I realised it's a real one. I mean, it might, you know, I don't know what, how it ends in its life. I don't know, but it's in there for now. The one thing I wanted to ask you about, because whenever I go on a road trip, the one thing that I love to do is is listen to music and music yeah. kind of really accompanies road trips and I think of road trips and stuff. But you guys can't really do that, can you? Because you've you're filming and you're talking to each yeah. other. So you can't really have, you know, tunes on whilst you're going down amazing sort of, you know, scenic routes and stuff. We can we can do, um, but it does get in the way a little bit. And then also sometimes it's it's a bit of a palaver, like just operating, you know, while while you're riding. <laughs> Trying to change a track or something can be a dangerous <laughs> But so you tend not to do it so much, but but it, it does because the songs come into your head more than anything. It's like it's like that in uh, Touching the Void. Do you remember when he's yeah. when he's got the Bonnie M thing in his head and he can't stop? <laughs> I, I found that I, I would have um a lot of odd stuff. I, I did listen to stuff. I listened to a lot of Peter Gabriel. Oh, I went amazing. back to this sort of nostalgia. I don't know if it's because I'm about to be 50 or what it is, but I started listening to quite a lot of Peter Gabriel and I listened to quite a lot of Dire Straits. I was like, why did Dire Straits become so unpopular? I, I think they're great, but remember, it was yeah. big and then it wasn't big.
MTV days, you know, it was like kind of one of the first big videos on MTV, wasn't it, as why well? Did they, why did it go south for them, though? You would know. I, I don't know. I don't know, actually. No idea. Well, yeah. so I Peter Gabriel's like really cool still. I saw him do the Soul Tour, which was amazing. He's amazing, yeah. Oh. We've always worked with him on the Long Way stuff because he's he's got this amazing uh, library of world music, you know, and he's just really knowledgeable about all that. So we've we've always asked for his help in trying to get the right tracks for the right oh amazing right we're going through. So musically, I think you'll find Long Way Up is quite interesting too because we they, they, the soundtrack is quite specific to where we are at that time. much music on the trip as I'd hoped. I thought, I think it's because I spent too much time like going on holiday in Mexico where there's always, there always happens to be a band <laughs> at the hotel, you know. And I just thought maybe the whole of South America was going to be like that. There were <laughs> be a mariachi band come out, but it didn't, it didn't happen. There wasn't, there wasn't just quite so much street music as I thought there would be, but it was fun nonetheless. Last times I saw you when we did that wonderful event in Edinburgh, yeah, um, uh, where you were 
you'd just done the voice stuff for Beauty and the Beast and you were being very self-deprecating about your accent uh, and about Mexican, Spanish. Mexican French. <laughs> but to be honest, you know, to my own, to blow my own trumpet, they didn't like me to do the French the R. So genuine French. <laughs> as soon as you put an R in French, it does become sort of Mexican. That's just the way it is. It's just the mechanics. <laughs> Can we use the last little while just to talk a little bit about music? Because yeah. there's a wonderful thing with you've obviously music has been part of a lot of films that you've been involved in, both in terms of the performance, but there are so many films that you've done that have a very strong musical presence, you know, way back to to train spotting and, and things like that. You know, you kind of that soundtrack was incredible. And I think what Danny did with that was really shifted things, I think, for British film in terms of how they look to use music within within film. But yeah. for you, does music play a big part in terms of when you are kind of prepping for a role or you're getting into character stuff? Do you ever kind of make playlists and things like that when you're when you're thinking about characters? Yes, I often, I often ask for the ask the director to make me one because it's um because it puts you in, in a similar headspace for what he or she is thinking about. Like, listen, l l lately I was playing, I, I haven't finished it yet, but I was playing Halston, the, the fashion designer, which is all 60s, 70s, 80s. And, you know, he put together um, three different playlists for different times of that, of, of our film, you know, of, of the series. And that yeah. was really useful through disco and then Studio 54 and, yeah. you know, what, what, people, what was around then. And it is useful. It can be very useful. And then, and then I find just uh, more than specifics. It's quite useful to be listening to the right kind of. I don't know, listening to the right kind of music um, to put you in the right mood for for what you're shooting that day. I don't know if you're doing something silly or funny, then you're not listening to some bleak, bleak, bleak <laughs> yeah. rock. You know, but yeah, then yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. doing some sad scene, then definitely you're listening to something that puts you in the right mood. Yeah, it's important that. I mean, I think that in my in my head, whilst you know, when you're when you're playing Obi Wan, you've got John Williams in your head. Obviously, you know, it's that those kind of Star Wars. Seriously, I remember. I remember uh, Big Liam telling George because I think at some point it took so long to just shoot those fight scenes that we were just sort of running out of steam. And George one day he decided he said action, and he and he started playing the theme, the Star Wars tune no. while we were doing it. And Liam just uh, Liam just stopped and he went. No, switch it off. It just wasn't happening. <laughs> like, we can do it without the music, George. That That's hilarious. <laughs> with, with something like um, with the train spot with Danny, though, you know, whilst you were shooting that first film, did you have any idea with regards to the kind of musicality of it in terms of how rhythmic the film was going to be with this soundtrack, really? I think no is the, the short mm. answer. seeing train spotting for the first time i remember clearly i was with my uncle dennis and ev and we kept watched it in a screening room in in soho and i remember coming out just sort of like you know not really been able to speak like oh my god because you don't know that's what's brilliant about dan is you don't really know what's happening what's in his mind you know 
you don't you don't know the the whole picture that he like he does you know exactly you know is never a better director to work with in terms of finding the scene and playing the truth of the scene and him pushing you to to explore parts of yourself that you might not have thought about doing so on your on your, on your own he is yeah. you know my favorite if you're allowed to have a favorite he is that um but you don't I remember, uh, the only the only tip i had was of course we'd made shallow grave and i and i'd already seen that uh, you know mm. seen what from the experience that we had on set to what that movie looked and felt like and sounded like i'm not ashamed i've known love i've known rejection i'm not afraid to declare my feelings take trust for instance or friendship these are the important things in life these are the things that matter that help you on your way if you can't trust your friends, well, what then? What then? This could have been any city. They're all the same. That's why I. That's why I was so. I just wanted to work with him all the time. You know, was what his got his actor because it's yeah. just thrilling. And and it was like Shallow Grave came out and we we're like, oh, this is new. This is different. And Brian Tefano's photography was really key to that as well. He was mm. just a. He was part. He was absolutely part of that. Um, the genius of all that coming up with these shots that were just that just blew us away. You know, people people weren't making movies like that in in Britain at that time. So we were, it was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Moulin Rouge as well. I mean, I, I've, I watched that recently. It was one of my lockdown films of, of the kind of the many that I've had the time to go and revisit and enjoy yeah. again. Does it hold up? Absolutely. It's a it? wonderful kind of just glorious, luxurious experience. Yeah, that's what it felt like to shoot. It was like a dream. It was like a big dream. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Look at your face when you talk about it. You got oh, this. It was. It was like, I'll never forget some of those, you know, doing that tango scene where walking through all those dancers and I mean literally the cranes going out the door of the set you know the studio was like there's just vast music and color and it was all there on set it was all happening for reals it wasn't it was just amazing it was just great <laughs> like a big playground yeah amazing it was just amazing it blew blew my mind his eyes upon your face his hand upon your hand his lips caress your skin It's more than I can
little voice as well. Um, oh, yeah. I was talking to someone about that the other day and just Jane Horrocks, the, yeah. the, the performance of that as well was just extraordinary. When you're watching something like that as well, you know, being part of that, that wonderful ensemble, I mean, I was kind of blown away. I didn't know that, that she had that capability when that film first came out as a, yeah. as a singer and a, you know, that kind of mimicry thing that she does within, for those characters, particularly for that film, obviously. Yeah. It was written for her, you know, she did it on stage first. It was, it was a play and it was written for her. I don't know if I want to tell us, but it was one of the, one of the things I remember was I, I was asked to do it and then uh, Mr. Weinstein decided he was going to recast it and with an American star who I won't name and set mm. it in America. And I went, well, OK, well, I'm not doing it then. And um, for you. went back, I went, because uh, uh, it's Jane's part, it's her. It was written for her. You know, how, who else could do that? Who else should do that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, she just, the character and the, the complexities of that character is just absolutely, you know, under her skin, really, with that character. It's incredible. Yeah. The minute you walked in the joint, I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. Say, wouldn't you like to know what's going on in my mind? So let me get right to the point. I don't pop my cork for every man I see. I had the pleasure of um, speaking to um, Mr. Todd Haynes as well. Oh, and, yes. Oh, my God. He's like a proper musical nerd, isn't he? He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's I amazing. Ch- he's really oh. an interesting filmmaker. <sighs> loved chatting to him. It's like there's sort of two two worlds of filmmakers, I think. And there's, a, the, there's the, the team like Todd and Danny and there's like people have really got something to say i've got an they can't not say it the way they can say it you know visionary creatively talented people and then yeah. there's another side where you know people that can get by and know how to point a camera in the right place and everything but you know it's just interesting how you work how how it's so satisfying to work in that first group and so not so satisfying to work in the other you know it's life isn't it you you you, you work you you work on all these different films with lots of different people but he's brilliant the other film that's coming to my mind is Brassed Off with a whole different... Absolutely, kind of another Mark Harmon film, yeah. Yeah, that was lovely too. The music in that was really special and being part of sitting in with the actual Grimethorpe Colliery band who were the, were the, the band were telling their story, but they're actually the people in the movie, you know.
it was a nice moment where, because I used to play French horn all through school as a French horn player. So I'm playing a tenor horn and I could play it. But uh, so as we're doing this, they, they made me the, the, I think I was meant to be the first tenor horn player. So the actual first tenor horn player was now sitting next to me in, a, in the number two seat, which I think he didn't much like. And um, I, it gave me, they gave me this tenor horn. And, I, and as we were doing the scene, I was playing along because we had the music. I could play along, but I was slightly flat. And I said to him, I said, why, why, is, why am I flat? It sounds a bit flat when I play. And he went, because you can't play. <laughs> and I went, I went, oh, OK. So I thought, I, I thought, OK, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And then I gave him my horn. I said, just have you have a go. And he, he had a little pl- play through and he went, ah, nah, it is flat. Cheeky <laughs> <laughs> like, back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, listen, we've, we've run out of time, but it's an absolute treat to get to chat to you. And I'm thoroughly Two. enjoying long way up. I just hope you get back there for Christmas once I get to the end of the series. Well, who knows? Maybe we don't make it. You know, no, who knows? Don't spoil it! It's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. It's so nice to see you there. This is always yeah. a pleasure. Lovely to you see you. too. Take care and Bye. I hope to speak to you again soon, Ewan. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye now. Hay un demonio en mi cabeza diciéndome Historias al oído y ninguna termina bien. Doctor, necesito algo más fuerte que yo, porque los días se hacen largos y no quiero despertarme mañana sintiéndome igual que From the soundtrack to A Long Way Up, that's Carnaval by La Luz Mandarina. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the wonderful Ewan McGregor. My huge thanks to Ewan for taking the time to talk to us. You can watch Long Way Up on Apple TV now with the songs featured on the soundtrack available at Apple Music. Head to edithbowman.com to subscribe to this podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my chats with Danny Boyle and Todd Haynes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and you can see Ewan's smiley face on our YouTube channel where I put together a companion piece to this show. Next up, we have the frontman of Biffy Clyro, Simon Neal. The band wrote a score for the Jamie Adams film, Balance Not Symmetry, in 2019. And Simon talks about that as well as a whole host of incredible scores and filmmakers that have quite clearly been an inspiration to him. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 